Welcome everyone to Brocephus and Friends. Uh, I am not Brocephus. My name is Reese, uh, but I am here with Mr. Brocephus himself, Joseph Mink. How you doing? Doing well. Doing awesome. well. Uh, I was honored to hear that Joseph had just a fun and brilliant idea to have himself be interviewed uh, because you know, so many, the, the beautiful thing about your podcast is people can encounter your, your little, your little isms and your quirks and they're really great. Um, but also I think it's just so exciting that, uh, people will be able to hear more about what goes on in your head and more about your heart and things like that. So, um, yeah. How does that make you feel? You know, I, I did this so there are a few reasons, but one of the reasons I did this solely out of um, uh, just out of pure selfishness, selfishness, because you asked so many good questions that I that I was like, oh yeah, I I just want to hear what kind of questions he has, and maybe steal them for another show. But mm -hmm. I, I thought it was I was yeah I thought what an honor because. Every time we talk to you, even thinking about last Thursday, we were just talking and it got deep and I thought, oh Lord, this is so good. And you're a deep person. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm honored. Um, well, we're not going to, we're not going to start it off with deep, but I hope we get there <laughs> at some point. Um, so, uh, you usually, um, have general things to say, but you, uh, you follow wherever the wind follows. I'm more of a going down the list. So I got a whole list of questions that I want to know. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so yeah, this is this is a beautiful time because both me and the listeners will be discovering things <laughs> at the same time. So um, Joseph, first question, Sir Brosephus, what are your top three favorite sayings and where do they come from? So uh, I'll give. I think I'll give you one serious one first. Okay. Gloria Gaither always says, <laughs> and this might come back in this show, but um, heaven can start here by the choices we make and hell can start here by the choices we make. Mm -hmm. And so what are we doing? Eternity, the, the line between heaven and earth is very thin. Whatever we're doing here will impact eternity. Um, yeah. And so that one is very good. Um, another one is probably, um, I, I love this. It's just a simple little phrase, but I've been saying a lot, but it's the, um, when someone is mad, um, pitch a fit. I tell you, <laughs> I love, you know, you could do a whole, we could do a whole show about Southernisms, but, and so pitching a fit is probably one of my favorites right now. And, um, Let's see, there, there was one other that I loved. There was, um, you know, well, the one that, that comes to mind is, boy, they're as crookeder than dog's hind leg. <laughs> Can't use that much because I don't have many people that are crooked. But that one is always a good one. And the, I don't know where those come from. It's, yeah. it's southern, southern all sayings. The, all the things you accumulate. Yeah. yeah. They're as crooked as a dog's hind leg. That was pretty fun. Um, one I'm curious about. You tend to just throw around the word blessing like as if God is really real and he's as present as he says he is, um, which I find to be a blessing. 
and um, I don't know what's that what uh, what's that association that you have with the word blessing that um, I don't know just curiously I want to know more. Well, it came it came out of a, a friend who would always say um, when someone would do something that he didn't like, they would he would always say, "You blessed lamb." And so I started saying that, and then I don't I don't really know how I just started saying that's a blessing. I guess mm -hmm. it came from that, but um, yeah, I don't really know. I just started. I guess it's more of like a instead you know people say oh that's so sweet or oh mm -hmm. that's whatever other phrases there is out there. I guess you know whatever this is a blessing. Yeah. I guess I don't mm -hmm. I don't really know. Yeah, I think the usual example is when. An old southern lady on her porch is gossiping to another southern lady, and the response is, oh, bless your heart. I think uh -huh. this is the usual association, which I've heard you say ironically before, but you're the only person I've ever met who has strong southern background and doesn't use the word blessing in kind of a condescending <laughs> kind of way. You actually are just talking about how much God wants to bless us. I think it's actually... Because I enjoy you so much, and you say that so much, it's helped me think about how so much of God's love is tied to how is tied to how much He blesses us. Oh. I think that's been really important for me, even just being more and more friends with you. So. You're so kind. You're so kind. But you know, I think I think just you know either either you will be in a blessed mood, in a blessing attitude, or you will not. There's not yeah. much middle ground and so we have to choose will we be a will we be a blesser or will we be a will we be a cursor yeah now you know i think it if to individual people but as christians i think it is it is better off to be blessed than it is blessing than yeah. it is to curse oh for sure yeah i think that's the basic um i think i've read more and more into how Paul ties Jesus to Abraham, mm. how his main tie is, um, you know, what does it mean for us to be the new family of God? And so much of that has to do with, um, you know, Abraham was so deeply blessed by God. The one blessing he deeply wanted was a big family. And so God blessed him, but also God blessed him not just uh, he did legitimately bless him so that God could be kind to him, but also so that blessing could abound mm -hmm. to his family and also to all the nations. So there's a way in which God's blessing not only has a, a comforting function, but it also has, it has utility of God wants blessings to abound on the earth, mm -hmm. which is good because that means God really cares about everyone involved, not just the, not just the people he's interacting with directly um, and I think that's a beautiful piece of like Ephesians 1 talks about how God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing mm. so God is just <laughs> one of the greatest forms of God's love is just how much he's blessed us Yeah. so I feel like I've said the word bless <laughs> in one form or another so many times in the past three minutes Oh. but uh, I mean I'm sure in your whole life you said it way more than I have oh so. maybe I don't know <laughs> Um, nice. Um, so, okay, we're on to another question. A little, uh, a little more uh, harder 
hard-hitting one or a more deliberate question, I guess. What is your opinion on evangelical worship culture? You know, <laughs> people say, people talk about contemporary Christian music and they talk about worship music. I think, and this is gonna, this may be a, on a, a later question too that we might hit harder, maybe not, but one thing that I think we have done as a disservice is we have made, we were over a few years ago, worship music was not really a, we didn't have that as a genre. Now we have that as a genre. I think mm -hmm. that has messed up our culture, oh, frankly, yeah. because we have made worship music the the idea of what worship is. Now that's a part of it. That mm -hmm. that is a part of worship, but it is so much more than that. Of I think we we really say, oh, this song is so good. Oceans is one of my favorites. But what are we doing in church? What are we serving? Are we tithing? Are we what are we doing outside of church? Are we, you know, are we are we honking the horn and giving gestures to people while we're driving? Mm -hmm. You know, what are we doing outside of the four walls of church? And I th I think it is important to realize that um that church is not just a is not just a um, worship is not just what we do on a stage, but it is an it is an important part of what we mm -hmm. of what we do. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think I think we have gotten better. Young younger generations have gotten have gotten better of saying you know. You know, house churches have gotten big. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think about that. I think we have gotten better of we will do whatever we do at Sunday morning and leave it there. Gotcha. But I think we still have room to grow of, you know, this is a song that we sing and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, um, this is related. I think this is generally any sort of, evangelical relevance style church um, there's a strong temptation to just make it a Coldplay concert followed by a spiritual TED talk mm -hmm. um, and there's just so much more to church life uh, than that and really like how much how much of culture are we not we're not really trying to affect culture if anything it seems more if it really gets to that level, we're more borrowing culture mm. than we are trying to affect culture. Um, so I don't know. That's why I'm a huge fan of, like, you You can still have the kind of model that seems like Coldplay sure. concert followed by TED Talk, and that can be really encouraging. Um, but I'm a huge fan of, in those kinds of churches, communion should be essential. Mm -hmm. um, because as much as a song can sound good and be beautiful, and as much as a preacher's words can be challenging or inviting or encouraging, that how much they can be effective. Um, what's actually going to feed you, <clears throat> excuse me, what's actually going to feed you at a church is the bread of life. Mm -hmm. And whatever you believe about communion, there's some level at which uh, 
the reality of Jesus is received by taking communion. Mm-hmm. Whether you think actually, like, like Catholics believe it so literally. Right. Uh, you know, more mainline denominations, like I'm Anglican, we, re- we believe it more spiritually. Even someone who's just like, communion is just a time to remember Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's still a sense where even that little interaction is taking the reality of Jesus from in my mind to more in my heart mm-hmm. and letting it kind of settle down. And make it really, I take communion no matter what. To not just to not just uh, remember the gospel, but to become a gospel person, mm. a person who deeply at my core, like my foundation, is the gospel. Yeah. So that's all. That's what. What do you think about that? You know, Got someone was. I heard a preacher one time was talking about it, and he was like, you know, similar to what you said, but he uh, he said, don't make communion an obligation if you do not feel like you are if you don't feel ready to take communion today and you are a believer do not take communion because this means you are in line with the spirit and if you are not in line with what God is saying and you are you are not um, then then really ask yourself why am I taking communion why is this just something as habit, or is this something that that is doing? Are we doing because we are in line and we are in truth with what God has to say? I I think I think we have to ask ourselves that when we are coming to to the Lord. Am I in line with what you have to say, or am I am I just taking this time, whether this whether that be communion, whether that building a church service, whatever that may be. Yeah. Am I doing it because someone told me to and I just I just carried that tradition on? Mm-hmm. Or am I doing it because the transformation of God is renewing me and I'm in line with what God is doing? Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. I, I think unfortunately we're in a generation that can way over spiritualize that. Mm-hmm. So I, I even find myself like I have to remember that. Because my temptation is to just simplify it. Where Paul really does say, um, you can take, you can receive communion unworthily. Whatever that very specifically means, I'm not sure. But I do think you're kind of getting at something there where like, if you're fundamentally out of step with the Holy Spirit, then that doesn't mean you have to clean yourself up to go take communion. Right, yeah. But... The reason you receive it and take it isn't because isn't some like either some self help tool to make you more spiritual. It isn't some uh, just like nice comforting thing. But if you really need God, you should take communion. Mm. Uh, because and I don't think it needs to be much more complicated than that. Like you can borrow. You can use all the. Um, all the images you want, but um, I think the only thing that that makes you take communion unworthily really is trying to think that anything other than the mercy of God mm. is what makes that possible to receive. That when I'm when I'm eating that, I'm not I'm not showing up because of my own righteousness or my own capacity to keep in step with the Spirit. 
um, but I'm showing up because God is moving in my life, and that makes me see how much I need Him. Mm. So, um, yeah, Dallas Willard once said that saints aren't people who don't need grace. Saints are people who realize really, truly how much they need grace mm. more than other people, um, which I think is really true. So Jesus even said, he talks about abiding so much in the Gospel of John, mm -hmm. and the only concrete, practical practice he names is in John 6. He says, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And, yeah. you, and, that, and you do that to remain in me, he says that. So there's a, there's a sense where you got to do it, but you don't do it because, um, because otherwise you're going to hell. Yeah. But it's because, like, otherwise you're going to starve spiritually. Mm. And there's probably a lot of spiritually starving people who, if they would just humble themselves and realize how much they need God, they could take communion. Mm. So I don't know how much uh, how much that differs with your thought, but I, I always that's I, I like what you said. It's a really important balance. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, just real fast, uh -huh. I do want to. I, I I love Jesus talks about. And the whole Bible, really, Old Testament, people talk about, and I'm one of those people, I will admit, I'm not too, there are some days I'm not too crazy about the Old Testament because of the law and all this stuff. But the Old Testament lends itself so well to the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we, we have to remember where we have gone, where we have come from, so we can move forward. I think that is a, you were talking about worship in the church to, to go all the way around the bar yeah, yeah, yeah. to your first question, but it, it applies to, to what you were saying mm -hmm. of we must not forget what we have of good stuff. We may, or and not to dwell in the past, but to say, you know, either this was a good thing or this was not a good thing, but we need to move forward. I even think about that with the hymns. Of if we are not singing, and and I and I understand, you know, I, what comes to my brain is shout to the Lord. You know, we we don't need to sing shout to the Lord every week. Yeah. But if we are singing, we need to take those songs that have been so good, because we don't sing songs long enough. <laughs> if and and that doesn't long enough in terms of frequency. Frequency. Well, we don't let them sit. Yeah, like okay. like, and, and I get we we shouldn't. It doesn't mean we should sing oceans six weeks in a row. Yeah. But I think also making sure that we aren't taking that song and saying, "Well, this is eight years old. Uh -huh. Let's let's yeah. leave it," because the songs that you remember back then are going to be songs that you remember in the future. Yeah. Uh -huh. When you are battling things and so singing songs that you can right now in church as a body can help you I think so much in going out through your life because um, it, it is such a key thing to not just say well that's old we need to get rid of it mm -hmm. and this is new this is the good stuff yeah but marry both of them and say this is not probably what I like but and and old people do this, and I think young people do do this as well. Get blessed by the people who are worshiping in that song, mm -hmm. 
if you don't feel worship, look at somebody else who's being ministered by that song. Mm. And that may help you That'll worship. You. Yeah, that yeah. will bless you. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what why I don't know where my point was in that, but I think keeping the new, keeping the old and putting them together. Yeah. Because the Bible Bible talks a lot about remi- the stones um in in um this is pitiful. Uh, Joshua, of all the tribes, put up stones and they say, make sure, and when your kids and your grandkids in the tribes, they will know where you have came from. Mm-hmm. So I think it is important to have those, those times when we have said, this is where God showed up and not forsaken. Nice. Yeah, this is this is a, this is good because the next question is, what are your top five favorite hymns? <laughs> you know, so I'm going to give you five. They may not all be hymns of okay. what people may associate with, with hymns, but um, the first one is "He Lives." Okay. I love the especially the line, "You ask me how He knows. You ask me how I know He lives." He lives within my heart. Um, second one would probably be um, probably be make it um, no. Um, I believe help down my unbelief. It's a beautiful song by Bill and Glory Gaither. Um, and so um, third one would probably be um, um, His Mercy Is More. Have you heard that? Mm-hmm. It's a newer hymn by. Keith and Kristen Getty. Um, so what a what a beautiful song. Our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, what else? Um, I love... Um, so many. Um, probably... Um, this is not a hymn, but this is such a wonderful song. Um, he looked beyond my faults and saw my knees. You know that? <sighs> Good old Dottie Rambo song. And <laughs> then, and then another one is I I know who I don't know. It's, the title is weird, but it's something about I don't know who. Um, something I know who holds tomorrow, and it goes many things about tomorrow. They don't. I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. And so... It's gold. Yes, beautiful songs. Mm-hmm. And it's like that of... And they may not be considered hymns. Um, but, oh, I'll give you one more that I just thought of. Andre Crouch wrote, <laughs> Through it all, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust through it all. I love that word, through. So that's, uh, that's probably it. That I can think of, yeah, that's good. I love it. What's your, what's your, what's your top, what's your top five or one or two or? Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So I grew up and still am mostly Anglican, so I'm gonna stick to him, hymns as much as possible. Um, uh, my, fa- I think my favorite one of all time will always be "Be Thou My Vision." Um, that one's a good one. Uh, Come Thou Fount is always mm. reliable. Um, there's this old, really old, like 
third century church song called Hail Gladdening Light that uh, Chris Tomlin did a version of. We sing that at our church, but it's much more like folky. Um, we follow the same pattern of his his songwriting, but the instrumentation is a lot more folky and fun. Um, uh, there's an upbeat version of Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go by Indelible Grace that we sing at church all the time. That one's, that one's a rocker. Um, <laughs> we are, we make it a rocker. Um, and then... There's a really, there's another, there's a meditative version of uh, the Wondrous Cross. When I survey the Wondrous Cross, Mm. Uh, so usually it's like that. It'd be when I survey the Wondrous Cross, all that. So this is more like when I survey the one. It's a lot more, yeah, mellowed out. I think that. So when I start, the original one is like a great like oh boy the cross is going to send me out of the world I think for yeah. me every time I hear that song and it's during communion I've wept mm. because I think the it's a perfect song the lyrics are perfect to really think about um, you know I when I receive communion we're back on communion again wow 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 um, it's not that. I receive the cross or even I think about the cross, I'm supposed to remember Jesus Mm. um, and not just remember what he's done for me. So I'm not, I'm not saved just because Jesus did the whole cross thing to really shorthand it and oversimplify it, but because Jesus's body is still a crucified body. Mm. And so the bread that I'm eating and the blood that I'm drinking, the blood was the blood that was poured out once for all. But the body that I'm eating is his current crucified yet resurrected mm. body. It's, it's a risen body that still bears all the wounds, and by his wounds were healed. So, um, so much of that, just thinking about the cross, and really in a weird, a really weird way, but I like it, um, partaking of Jesus. Mm. Uh, he is the bread of life. Yes. So I want to. I want to eat him, you know, not in a cannibalistic way, but he just said, he said, unless you eat my flesh, that's a very specific metaphor. I do think it is just a metaphor. Yeah. Um, But I think it has spiritual implications and churches are just trying to unpack what those implications are. So, and when I survey the wondrous cross, it helps me really be aligned with God's heart and attuned to to those implications. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, Another fun question. I, this one's even more just fun than top five hymns. Um, if you had to listen to one genre of music that was not worship for the rest of your life, what would it be? With without without batting, and I would be country. Okay. Um, because it lends itself so much to, and I didn't want to cheat a little bit, and I I could have said southern gospel, but. Southern gospel and country music are like kissing cousins. Yeah. And so um, I love love both of those. And I tell you, you didn't ask for this, but this is a little bonus uh-huh. in there. Probably my favorite country writer would be Hank Williams. Be- senior? Senior. Okay. Senior. Yeah. <laughs> because 
and this may be this may upset the saints a little bit, but he is our modern day. He seems like a modern day David because he was he lo he loved God. He was pretty. He, he had gospel songs. Yep. Mm -hmm. I saw the light. Jesus is calling you. But mm -hmm. one of the greatest songs of all time to me is the. Did you ever hear that lonesome whippoorwill? He sounds too blue to cry. That midnight train is winding low. I'm so lonesome I could cry. Yep. To have both of those mm -hmm. is 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 a life well lived. Now, is a life lived, I don't know about well, but it is a life well lived. Mm -hmm. I have God in my life, but I also have pain. Yeah. And to say, I, to have both and to write both is such a healthy way to live because it's not, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Well, I should say happiness. I, people talk about happiness. I, I got, got the, the buzz. I got yeah. the buzz, buzz, buzz down in my soul. I think we should have joy all the time, but I not that, oh, if I don't, if I don't feel something, then it's not real. But I think what Hank is talking about, of, I, I have the, I have the Lord, but I also have pain. And so I, I just love that, that he could write both mm -hmm. because, because a, a Christian and people have both. Yeah. And also just, hey, good looking what you got cooking. It's such a good line. <laughs> yes. So, thank you, Hank. Yeah. Um, truly. Uh, and what a, what a great dresser. Yeah. Big what old, big old hats, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's a here's a more personal one. Uh, which of the fruits of the spirit is God developing in your life right now, or which of the fruits is the Holy Spirit developing in your life right now? Just to be really specific, gotta gotta honor the third person. So that's tough because because <laughs> it's <laughs> um, you know I ask a similar question to people and I. And people are like, you know that stuff? And, and um, now having that question asked, it is a tough one. But I, th I think peace is definitely mm -hmm. one that um, I can be very anxious about things. Things that don't even, haven't even happened yet and probably won't happen. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit has been really um, just saying, hey, this is not... This is not going to happen. You know, you're you're dwelling on things that may not even happen, and so um, just come to uh, just come and have peace because um, it's not it's going to be okay, and and so um, yeah, peace peace would probably be um, the, probably the one, and also um, patience. <laughs> I am not patient yeah. bit more than nothing. Um, it's hard. It's hard with a smartphone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 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 um, and so being trying to be patient um, and 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 realizing that you know patience. Uh, I tell my dad all the time when in the car, I say you know patience is a virtue, and so I have to remind myself that all the time because patience is something that is hard but um, it's good I think I know it is good but I think that's too mm -hmm. 
What about you? What's what's the Holy Spirit? Uh, kindness, for mm-hmm. sure. I think it's even parsing out. Um, I think for so long I've had a distaste for niceness. Mm-hmm. Um, not like disliking people because they're nice, but just knowing that people only do that because of you know polite society or whatever. Mm-hmm. Being nice is really it's more about what you want other people to think about you rather than you thinking well about the other person. Mm. Um, so really seeing kindness through like, so I have, a, I have a prayer list that I go through and the first like two thirds of it is people, but then the last three things are, um, I guess the first three quarters, there's a lot more things on that list than I, I remember. Unless I, well, except when I sit down and do it. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a good chunk. Um, but whatever. The last three things are um, uh, considerate listening uh, is the first, first one. Uh, interruptibility and acceptance is the second. And then communion with God is the third. Mm-hmm. So I think those first two, both considerate listening, Eugene Peterson said that Americans are the least listened to people in, in history. Mm. Um, I think that's true because we just, because we're made so impatient by our phones, by technology, especially in the digital age, um, it's just so easy to look past people and to talk and listen past people. Um, so that, and I really think the difference between niceness and kindness is how considerate you are. Mm. Um, cause nice people can do things that seem considerate, but the reason why they're doing the nice thing is not considerate. So you can do a bunch of really generous looking things, a bunch of things that really make people smile. Uh, but if you're not being primarily considerate of the other person more than you are trying to undo your own self preoccupation, um, then it's gonna. It's not kindness. Mm. You're just being nice, and niceness has its place. It's helpful. Sure. It's helpful, but it's not loving. Mm. Um, I think there's and there are some times where I mean maybe that's not an absolute principle. Um, I'm really going down the rabbit hole here, but uh, um, niceness is functional, mm. but niceness is not really eternal. Kindness is eternal. Yeah. Kindness is loving. I think when it really comes to how God treats us, I think God just, he's, he steers away from niceness. Like, if you think about Aslan from Narnia, that lion is not nice. He's scary. Mm-hmm. But he's kind, and he's good. And he, he's even gentle. Like, I would rather learn how to be gentle and kind and be just not nice. And that's a weird statement to say because most people associate the associate niceness with the other two things, but I'm really learning how to parse it out and just, you know, see the difference. So, I don't know, do you, do you, get, do you get what I'm saying? Yes. It out there? Okay. okay. Um, and, and that is not as weird as you think. Um, like Southern, uh, what we were I'm saying about Southern culture, is a good example of the whole bless your heart thing. That's yeah. nice, but it's not kind. No. It's not gentle. Uh, 
Have you, um, do you want to see the movie A Man Called Ove? Not Ove, uh, Otto. Uh, my brother loves the book. Uh, I don't, so I need, I need to see it. I don't, I don't want to... I, I have some, but I don't want to spoil it. If, <laughs> also, people people who, who are listening probably have it. Well, I haven't seen it or read it. Well. But I should watch it. Yes. Okay. Because it talks about what you just said. Okay. I don't gotcha. think this ruins anything, and if it does, I'm sorry. Okay. But um, I'll still watch it. Yeah. It's such a good yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. But he is not... This probably doesn't spoil anything. But he is, he is not... I would I would say nice is what mm-hmm. people, you know that Serbi South, yep. whatever we call that, not that, but when let's use Johnny as an example, Johnny down the street doesn't know how to drive. He's gonna go down there and say and say what, well, you don't know how to drive? I can't believe you don't know how to drive. Let me teach you how to drive, and so. <laughs> That is that is a I, I I get what you're saying because it's not like sure hey yeah anytime you want to drive let mm-hmm. me know it's a it's, <laughs> yeah it's not going to be any time no and it's it's going to yeah. be like a oh my gosh you are incompetent but I want to help you <laughs> you know that yeah I think the the difference at one the first thing is harsh mm. but it's also true but the underlying reason of why he would say I want to teach you is because if he's saying you're incompetent, but I'm going to teach you, then he inherently believes you're capable of doing it. Yeah. I think that's kind. Yeah. I, I would, I'd probably, I probably would never just yes. call someone incompetent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would communicate that in like a, in a helpful way, not yeah. in a critical or judgmental way. Um, yeah. Oh man. The worst thing is when someone's really nice but extremely judgmental. Those are the scary people. Yeah, I we have well, I shouldn't say that, but but uh, but the people who hey, how are you doing? And then you then leave, they, and they're they, like, so did, they're the worst. Yeah, yeah. And I and I think I'm trying to I'm trying to undo that. I'm trying to mm-hmm. undo the niceness, but I'm also trying to undo the judgmentalism because mm-hmm. that's also a big part of my past. I've just when I've done that. I refuse to try and hide it under. Mm. I'm like, if I don't like you, you're probably gonna know. Um, I think it's easier, or it's just simpler for me to go from there and be like, how can I cultivate an enjoyment of of people who mm. who I don't, who wouldn't usually enjoy? Um, yeah, because I think God, I really am convinced God enjoys all people. Mm. Yeah, because He's able to see things we aren't able to see. Yeah. So how do I cultivate God's eyes in order to be kind and enjoy all people? So I don't know. And everyone's got little hidden mysteries too. I need to remember that way more. Mm. So I'm not saying I have it perfect. I'm actually saying God's teaching me how to be yeah. kind. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark, just real fast, then we can move on. But okay. Mark Lowry always says, because they say um, we don't we like the givers, we don't like the takers. And and Bill quickly says, Mark, you can't say you don't like to buy. He says, no, no, no. You can say, the Bible says you have to love. They don't say you have to like. But, um, and they said, don't, don't sit there like you don't know. They said, there's one in every family. You can cry at their funeral, but you won't go on vacation with them. 
And so there are mm-hmm. people like that who who um, yeah. you have to really know, learn how to love, but mm-hmm. you don't have to necessarily like them. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I think that that in our day and age, a statement like that has been used to really hurt me in the past. Huh. Which is, pro- is probably why I find myself not very kind. Um, and also, I've just made a lot of decisions to not be a deliberately kind person. Um, at least not in my core. Um, I don't know, because people tell me, like you said at the beginning, I'm, I was being kind, so I don't want to just say I'm completely incapable. Um, I think God believes in me. I just think there's a sense where, yeah, not you're not going to trust everybody. Not everyone is going to be your best friend. And God is not going to draw you to... to um, to want to know every single person deeply. Yeah. Um, but I think loving someone means having the capacity to to just be relaxed in their presence and to see the things that God would enjoy and enjoy them. Yeah. And I think so. I, I think there's a really old um, statement of belief that says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Um, I think the chief, that I think I would amend that statement hmm. by adding it something on. I think the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever as he glorifies us and enjoys us. Hmm. And through that, we also learn how to glorify and enjoy everyone else. Hmm. I think, I don't think, yeah, there's a sense where God even in a way God doesn't really, in the way we talk about like, liking something, God doesn't really like humanity. Go read the prophets. Yeah. But does he delight in who we are? Does he enjoy, like, does he enjoy having us as his children? Does he choose to celebrate us? And does he overlook the times when we are covered in filth? Because we've, mm-hmm. we've taken all of his money and spend it on prostitutes and yeah. pigs. Is he always willing and actually personally ready to embrace us, mm-hmm. even in our most ugly moments? Absolutely. I don't think that means God is just going to give you a nice thumbs up. That might be an important thing. I think liking someone is a, it might be a niceness thing, mm-hmm. whereas being kind and gentle is, I'm going to deeply enjoy this person uh, for what God sees in them, yeah. not for what they're trying to present to other people. So, I don't know. I'm still figuring that out. Yeah. I'm not God, so there's a lot more for me to figure out. But, all good thoughts. Um, Joseph, you're a big movie guy. Um, I wanted to ask you about your letterboxed. Um, I would first like to say, uh, if anyone listening wants a good read, any of Joseph's reviews of Star Wars... <laughs> are phenomenal specifically the one i don't remember which which of the movies it was but you just uh you said you're just going to do a bulleted list of your thoughts as you're watching the movie i thought that was awesome (laughs) and my favorite one um i think i've told you this before but my favorite one is it was one of the older ones i'm pretty sure and just one of the bullets after all of them were like explaining and you have your like (laughs) Your, your usual Joseph word of, wordedness of creating this beautiful little, nice little mental picture. One of them just says, I am C-3PO. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that 
That's so funny. Yeah. So those are good. Um, here's my question. What's your favorite letterbox review from someone else? So I have, these are, I, I, I couldn't, I didn't want to read all the big yeah, long ones. Yeah. But there were two that, that are really short that I, that I was reading this morning that I thought, oh, this is hilarious. So the first one is from Mary Hernandez that says, um, it's from Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's Doctor Strange wins as the best babysitter ever. I thought that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Caroline uh, Dudek uh, watched um, Bedtime Stories and said, um, Hazel fell asleep, so the title adds up. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I love Letterboxd. Just some, um, my brother started. Uh, did you see what he what he did? Uh-uh. So he usually does these little short, quippy reviews. Yeah. But Sam, who works here, uh, asked like said he doesn't like them. So for all of 2023, <laughs> he's he's writing them like they're emails to Sam. It's so <laughs> funny because he says so many little goofy, smart things that are really witty and good. But yeah, I love his. Um, my favorite movie to review was The Northman because mm. I've made a lot of I've made a few Skyrim references mm. it's kind of like Skyrim as a movie but yeah um, when it comes to movies what do you like about movies? you know you talked you talked about me being a big movie person I am not okay um, I'm, I mean <laughs> it probably doesn't show with all the ones that I have seen but you know it has to to, for me to watch a movie, either someone has to say, hey, let's watch this movie, or there has to be something compelling about that movie gotcha. that, I, that I wanted to see. I mean, have you seen Picture of Dorian Gray, 1940? Not the old one, no. <sighs> so good. Probably one of my <laughs> favorites right now. But I love the movies that... Um, that are just so that that are so good and and a lot of the ones that I've been liking now have been those ones that are faith movies that aren't really yeah. faith movies. But I mean, I I love a good. I, this is probably, I mean, the two different movies. But one my two favorite right now are Picture of Dorian Gray and um, uh, Tarantino. Um, oh, what is her name? Her it's a her. Um, Jackie Brown? Yes. Okay. Five stars all the way around. (laughs) Um, But I love that one because it tells a story from many perspectives. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's such a brilliant movie. But a movie has to to move for me to answer your question. I don't... I don't like a movie. I watched a movie. It was Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Don't remember the name of it. But they, it was so dry as dust. It just did not move along. And I thought, we went all the way around the barn to get to this answer that we could have yeah. took 45 minutes and <laughs> did. But but I guess it will do. But it has to it has to move on down the road yep. for me to like mm-hmm. it. Yep. Yeah, I like to be... Um... Yeah, I like to be swept up in movies. I think what what um, movies 
more deliberately or a, a fun shadow of what I feel during the best moments of worship. Mm. So the best moments of worship are they don't stand up to a movie. Um, but mainly the thing is I feel so in it. I feel so brought into a life. Yeah. And mainly I think worship is I feel brought into the life of God, the interchange between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm, I, since I'm united to Jesus, I'm always in that interchange. Um, but really in moments of communion, I, I am in the middle of the dance of the Trinity. Yeah. Um, I think movies bring us into a life. They can do that in so many different ways. They can bring us into one life, multiple lives, um, different things like that. Like Little Women is a great example of being swept into multiple lives through a movie. Um, or something like Memento by Christopher Nolan, swept mm. into one life kind of over and over again, this day relived and memories forgotten and all those things. Um, yeah. Um, so, which, I don't know how much of a spoiler that is, but the, I didn't say anything about the big reveal at the end. So, there is a big reveal. Um, but, um, I think so much of what makes me rate a movie highly, that's probably the easiest way to say it, is... If there's nothing that makes me feel drawn out of the movie, um, I'll probably rate it four stars. If it's just a really, if I just want to be in it the whole time. The five star movies are ones where I'm noticing the technical things and noticing actors and the ways, the choices that they're making. I really notice dialogue stuff mm. a lot. I'm not really, most people notice like cinematography and beautiful shots. I'm a big dialogue guy. Um, when I notice the technical work and then it actually keeps me going in the movie, um, I think a great example of that, um, I don't know, I think, I think a great example of that is the difference between Tom Hardy and other movies versus Tom Hardy as Bane. Mm. That really, that, his work really makes me think that, um, and, and then the inventiveness of Christopher Nolan to rework Bane as a character. I, whoever's listening to this, you might shut this off after I say this, but Dark, I enjoy Dark Knight Rises more than The Dark Knight. Mm. I think The Dark Knight technically is a better movie, but that's not how I rate favorites. Like, I can notice all the beautiful technical things. Heath Ledger's work is amazing. Yeah. But I am there to watch a Batman movie. Mm. And I feel like Dark Knight Rises of the three is both, it's not, it doesn't just have a compelling villain and have a compelling plot. It has both of those things and it's a really good Batman movie. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm a comic nerd, so I don't know how many people are into uh, that. But, but that's, that's why that one's my favorite. And it, I, again, it's not the best. The best one is Dark Knight. Mm. But it, Dark Knight Rises is my favorite. So, this is parse, parse that out. So, well, I love talking to people why the difference between favorite and best. Mm. Do, you, do you have a good difference between what marks out favorite versus what marks out best? No, not really. Okay, no. no. I think about these things all day. No, I, <laughs> no, I, I think, I think, you know, about a movie like, I, I think for me, a movie doesn't have to have a sweet, 
Now, I mean, it, it should. I mean, a movie can have a beautiful ending, and mm-hmm. and they get the house and the wife and two point five children. But I don't think always a movie needs to end like that. Like, I mean, there was there was the Joker that came out. Thought, I thought that was a good movie because. Yeah. The way that they went through his life and they mm-hmm. said they did. Now the ending is, you could probably say that that wasn't a very good ending yeah. of what we think is ending, but it was a good. The, the other one that just the um, the eyes of Tammy Faye, I thought was a interesting movie mm-hmm. because um, it was just such a sad story but the way that they it worked through their life mm-hmm. of like you know this paints a picture of people who are broken now do we glorify this as Christians I don't think no I don't think we should but I think to see that story fold out of like this is a story of pain this is a story of humanity mm-hmm. that that just didn't quite get it right. Now, you could make that argument with Joker, too, of he just did not get it right. Now, when I was watching um, uh, Doctor Strange, the first one, I I wrote in my review, I said, um, um, Doctor Strange did not, Jesus was not in this movie. However, whoever I don't know who found Doctor. I forget who found Doctor Strange, but uh, fill in the blank is the next best best thing. He was the Jesus in the movie. I think I don't know why. Are you, t- are you talking about uh, uh, Kate Blanchett's character, the bald? whoever rescued? Yeah. Okay. That yeah, that yeah. Mojo or Modu or whatever. Oh, Mordo. Oh, I don't know the the what. The Kung Fu place, whatever that place is. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. But, um, but I think that 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 setting of of painting humanity of we all need something. We all crave something deep down in our soul, whether it be and there's a big hole, and it can only be filled with Jesus and and whatever you see that in movies. That is what they fill that hole with, mm-hmm. but I think you can make a case of that is that is the God shaped hole that they're filling. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think the best. Um, I think that uh, kind of speaks to even what I was saying. I think I was so broad with saying you're brought into a life. Mm. There's so many little facets of that that can be explored. So like. One, one big facet of that that's really been explored is how do people fill the God-sized hole in their heart with different movies? Uh, different movies explore that and look for meaning and purpose. Um, I think one you made me think of earlier with what you were saying, that not everything has to resolve well. Um, the movie you made me think of was uh, No Country for Old Men. Mm. That one's such a good... That movie is about God. Yeah. In the most backwards negative way. The most compelling piece of the movie that I didn't know until my brother told me, like, what he read about how the Coen brothers did it. Um, 
they have this approach, which I think is totally, totally true, where often in really compelling, dramatic movies that are all about good plot, uh, music signifies the presence of God or signifies some presence of like transcendent beauty. That's the, the function is really like what we, whatever we deem to be the will of God, whenever that is accomplished, music is playing. Um, unfortunately, there are some, there are many movies that get the will of God incorrect and play movie, play really good music at the wrong time. Um, but um, No Country for Old Men uh, has no music except for one scene. So No Country for Old Men is about like going through spiritual darkness. It's a very spiritual movie. It's about God. It's about how to face the silence of God. Um, but the one scene is when... Um, uh, I forget the character's name. Um, but the guy who played Thanos... Uh, Josh Brolin. Brolin. almost said Ruben. Nope. Josh Brolin is in Mexico mm. from running away. And he gets woken up by a mariachi band yeah. and taken to the hospital. And really, when you're going through something like that, it's not that everything's completely silent. It's that you're so jarred by the silence. And then when God does show up in little ways, and the, the, you know, the, the little blip uh, jumps up really quick, you're like, oh, what the, what's going on, God? <laughs> so that's totally what God is doing. He's, he's, all of those moments of deep silence with little blips of like extreme intervention are God trying to jar us mm. out of our need to rely on the beauty of the music rather than try to seek after the person who is making the music beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. On that, I don't know if this is right on topic, okay. but love is boring. Love can be boring. Oh, yeah. And so... I heard that from a that wasn't an original thought. That was from some uh, um, Episcopal priest, um, but she was like the music. And here again, back to music. But music industry, we sell a we sell a bad good of sales about what love is, and so love is boring. Love is a cup of coffee. Love is, and so I I I I, I think this is what this relates. A little bit, but I think we tend to make God the in the ooh la la's of life of, oh, if I'm not feeling the love of God in in this way, whatever this way is, then I am not close to the presence of God. Mm -hmm. But what really God is saying is, I am here when you are struggling. I am here yeah. when you are um, when you are. I am here in in both. I'm here mm. when you're on the mountain. And I'm here when you're in the valley. And so, I hope and God is saying, I hope you see me in both, mm -hmm. because if you, because, um, because I'm here and 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 there is no difference between the love of God. You'll know the you'll know the, um, the psalm. But it's if I go up to the heavens, yep. you are there. What's that song? It's one thirty nine. One thirty nine. If I go down to the valleys, you are there. To the to the grave. To the grave. Yeah. You are there. There is no place where you can't. You are not there. Yep. 
And so I love that so much of um, love is, is yes, it is, it is great, it is wonderful, it is um, mystifying, but it's also strange. It's also yeah. what we're doing now. Yeah. You know, what we're, we're having a conversation. This is, love is not just Holy Ghost. Woo-hoo. I'm going to. In rapture. Yeah, rapture. Yeah. 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 Um, I know people believe in the rapture. Mm-hmm. I don't want to dog on them. Yeah. But uh, that, that the, the term of bliss is very, um, he- heaven meets earth is not necessarily a blissful thing, mm. but it is a very loving, tender, kind thing. Yeah. Um, there's going to be bliss when Jesus returns, yeah. like in the process. I think how, how I would kind of riff off what you're saying is that we do get glimpses of, uh, of a rich beauty of God's love. Yeah. Um, but... There's no reliable pattern or correlation with those things. We can always be open to them. We can always ask for them. Um, but the beauty of what God does, he's constantly reiterating his love to us. That's what makes us be transformed. God is just finding a new corner of our heart and breathing life into it as a form of love. He, he sees the corner of our heart and he has mercy on it. Yeah. And he is gracious to it. Um, so I think actually if someone thinks going through spiritual lows is bad or even the infrequency or the odd, staggered, weird um, pattern of when spiritual highs occur is bad, I think that actually serves to make us people of hope. Hmm. Um, because so much, if you rely on those spiritual highs, they make you confuse glimpses of the beauty of love with the actual full beauty of God himself. I think we were, we were made to live in the full beauty of God himself. But the reason why it makes us hopeful people is because if we confuse any of those feelings for God in his fullness and in his glory then our hope is in that feeling. Yeah. Our hope isn't actually in God. Mm. Um, so we have to have our hope in God, not in just some, yeah. we, not in some sentimentalism. I think we have to experience God's love, but I don't think we have to always experience God's love. I, th- I don't think we should always experience God's love. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we, we have to experience it, yeah. And we and the reason why we have our hope in him is we say one day we will experience the full reality of God's love. Yeah. Um, and those glimpses help us propel us forward towards that towards yeah. that day and carry, you, carry us on. Do you know Jonah Erickson? Todd Oh I think so. Wheelchair I've heard heard the name. Wheelchair bound. If you saw her you would know. You probably would know who she was. But she she said something one time of don't assume all I want to do is jump up, kicking up, doing aerobics when I get to heaven. That's great. But what I long for is a heart free of sin, a heart free of sorrow. And she says, that beats having a new body any day. Yep. And so 
and I, and I think you're right of, and I think we should ask ourselves if we, if we are not feeling the love of God, then we should probably ask ourselves, am I, is my vision, is my, is my spiritual eyes not tuned to, to something? Am I, maybe I need to shift something of, am I, am I only looking at it in one way and need to not turn, but need to look at what God is wanting me to see in a, in another way? Because, Mm -hmm. because if you are only looking at like you're only looking at it in one way of like oh I'm you know I think posture is important in, in worship and, and so if you're only if you're only lifting your if you're only standing which we stand so much in worship anywho if we if we only stand that's only one way of worship and God may be telling you hey have you really looked at kneeling in my presence and so I think Seeing, seeing God's love, like in a different, not in a different, I shouldn't say different way, but in a different perspective of what we are seeing. If we, you know, yeah, I don't know if that, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, I think, I think we can get so used to what we have known about God and His love that maybe He's calling us to something that we don't know. Yeah, I think, I think. I think really the Joni Joni Erickson Tata. Yeah. I think her line there gets to something that I am prone to think about often. That really the beauty of the new creation isn't just that sin is done away with. She's gonna have a new resurrected physical body. Um but I think all of those things she even said, I long to have a heart free of sin. I think there's a sense where we can focus too much on the fact that we're sinful. Um, the reason why I put communion with God at the end of my intercession list, my prayer list, is because that's what everything is about. Um, until Jesus came along, the only thing that stood in the way, the only thing, so through all of creation, um, or throughout all of history, um, the the two things between humanity and God have been love have been shared and sin has been committed. Jesus comes along and solves the whole sin problem. Mm. And so there's nothing blo- like actually between me and God. The, the, the real me that's seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms is, is completely free to be loved by God. My reality is is completely open to the love of God. My nature is not. Mm. So mm. I long for that day, not because I'm so sick of my sin, which is I think someone might fall into, like in the same way that she says, don't don't just assume the main thing I'm sick of is not being able to walk. I think we should also say, don't assume that you should want the new heavens and new earth because you're so sick of sin. Mm. Want the new heavens and new earth because there are so many things that act as obstacles to the love of God. And really the chief, the chief thing that we need to learn how to do is to live into the, re- the reality that nothing's going to set, nothing could ever separate us from the love of mm. Christ. Uh, the, 
he, he's Paul spends seven chapters, seven and into eight, talking about how um, Jesus has addressed the reality, the full reality of the sin problem, mm. and then he lists a whole bunch of things and lists all the powers, lists all the weird phenomenons we can go through, life events. The only thing he doesn't list is you. And I think the only thing is we can hit a point in our faith where we tend to rely on the obstacles more than we rely on God's love. Mm -hmm. I think the whole challenge is just, I look forward to that day not, first we have to become people who actually look forward to that day. Not just rely on God. Not just rely on those glimpses. Um, but then yes, once we get Lord. that, then our, our mission is to constantly open ourselves up to the movement and action and healing of God. Mm. And His healing really is... Like why, why we go from hard heart to soft heart is because there's a bunch of structures within our being that are making us, that are making us reflexively stiff-arm God. Mm. I think... God turning us into a soft person means that our arm, our, our the arms of our heart, if we're going to make an image out of it, is we stop stiff-arming God, but we relax our hands and open them to God. Our heart turns from this, this walled-off castle to this open home of hospitality to God. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I don't know really much more to say. Yes, but. Lord. <laughs> mm. Sorry, sorry if I went off a little too much there, but uh, no, yeah. no, that's good. Yeah, that's so good. Because <laughs> I love this posture. It's one of the. It's mm. a dangerous posture. Yeah. But it is a. It is one of my new favorites because mm. it is saying, and for those who are listening at home it's open hands two open hands yeah. two open hands because you can say lord well you don't even have to say it this posture says first off it's a very vulnerable position yep. because you can be kicked in the stomach you can you can you know you don't have you any you don't have any yeah. yeah you don't have any you're not defensive <laughs> you're not blocking yeah and so you are just open hand and you can and say this says god you can put anything you want in and put in my hands and you mm -hmm. can take anything out you want to take. You can put anything in, and you can take anything out. And with that, of like this, this is this is saying, Lord, you know, I I um, submit to you that this is this is all that you all that you place in my hand is all that I have. All that you take away from my hand is all you know. I didn't need and so it's just it's such a what a vivid picture of the of the of saying here is what I have only is mm. what you can give and you what you're going to take away because I never forget I read a book by um, um, he was from glad um, anywho what great book, great book, true worshiper, highly recommended, ten out of ten, and he talks about that um, worship is well worship, but any anything of you, you are not people. You are do not 
say anything, you know, how arrogant of you to think that you are the one that gives worship to God. God gives you worship so that you can give it back to Him. Mm-hmm. And so I and I I love that image so much because it t- it frees us so much. When I heard, heard that, it freed me so much because it's like I don't have to worry about being my best in front yeah. of God because what 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 He has given me is something that what what He's given me is something that I'm just going to give right back. Yeah. And so I I love that because it's not just you know worship is not just this I'm going in the rabbit hole too but <laughs> but worship is not just singing like we said before but like you know Jesus says give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to and give to me this is probably the Joseph version but give to me what is mine and so I think you know that open hand of this money was never mine in the first place. I have, I'm going to give it back because it is just my nature, just who I'm created mm-hmm. to be. Yeah, I think there's a beautiful. There is an interplay between us and God. I don't want to get away from that, but I think before we get, we really parse out the details of that interplay. And I like your uh, that picture of open hands. Really, has become more and more meaningful to me too. Um, I think we can turn worship into a utility mm. of God's given me a whole bunch of stuff and now worship is my turn to give him back a whole bunch of stuff. But really, I think talking about, if you ever heard someone say the middle voice mm. or participation, is the whole idea of like what makes something a sacrament. Um, I think most of holiness... And when it comes to communion or loving God, has to do with not having these parsed out moments of God gives me something, and then another moment where I give God something. And it's this give and take back and forth, but learning to see all moments, mm. learning to see my relationship with God as deeply as possible, as not He and I, but as us. Yeah. And we constantly. That. Communion with God. That doesn't mean I'm weirdly like Jesus is my boyfriend. Yeah. Because he's God. I'm not. Yeah. Um, he is the Messiah. I'm not. Um, but I am united to Jesus in baptism. Uh, I am called to live in communion with God uh, as much as I'm able. And so as much as possible, my life is about living into us with mm-hmm. me and God. I mean, there's a, there's a good the best metaphor is marriage. Um, the, the, the phrase I find myself using the most when I talk about my life, people ask me about my marriage. Mm. And I say, well, Kaylee and I, we fill in the blank. Just blah, 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 whatever. And that, I think that's how we should relate to God. I am, because I'm united with Jesus, yes. uh, we're, we're one unit. We share the body of Jesus. So, um, I don't know, that's helpful. It also makes me think about how, um, man, how many times this has come up in the past two weeks, but God, after Adam and Eve eat the fruit, that crazy question, 
Who told you you were naked? Mm. I think we can interpret that with what we're saying of saying, who told you your hands were open to me? I think Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. That means they were completely vulnerable and had no clue. Mm. They were just super okay being absolutely vulnerable to God and each other. And so God saying, who told you you were naked is like, who told you that you were vulnerable? Mm. Who even gave you the idea that that kind of relationship means vulnerability, means possibility of danger? Um, so, and their thing is that they're them hiding themselves and wanting to clothe themselves is them closing off their hands. Mm. That's the moment where they say, the real, the real first sin is they get wounded by the lie of Satan. Mm. And then their reaction is to close themselves off from God. And to, to start to erect obstacles between them and God. So that's why I think really the key piece of our life is learning to see everything as obstacles to God's love. Mm. That in all things, I have to learn to trust more and more and more and more. That's why I'm a Protestant. Because it's all faith. Mm. I have to learn to have faith that God, that I can always have my hands open when I approach God. Unfortunately, the world is not like that yet. Hmm. But God's going to make it like that. Where hmm. we can always just walk around with open hands. Yeah. We can, And if you have open hands, you can eat stuff. You can receive. Yeah. But then you can also be like, do you want some too? And yeah. hold your hand out. And other yeah. people can eat stuff. And it's just, Paul comes along and says this random little line of, all things are yours because you belong to Jesus. Hmm. And Jesus belongs to God. So it's all things belongs all things belong to us because we belong to God through Jesus. So it's not that we, we're gonna have nothing, we're gonna be floating around angel babies. It's that worship is something that is shared between me and God. Worship is like a fruit in the garden mm. that I can sit down and I can munch on some and then offer God some. And God can munch on one and be like, this one's really great. Taste this one too. And it's like, it's the, all of those things are things to be shared with God. Prayer, something to be shared with God. I don't know. It's all, it's all communion. It's yeah. all fellowship with God, the Father and Son, Holy Spirit and Son. <sighs> Rabbit holes. <laughs> Love it. Oh. I figured this was going to happen. I'm going to go down like four or five of them. We're just gonna keep. Oh, yeah. Do you want another question? You you have sure. any, anything off of that? Okay, I'll hit you with another question. Um, I am excited about this one. Um, if you had to stick with three books of the Bible until, luckily, not your whole life, just until you're thirty, if you had to really get three of them just in your head, which one? Which ones would you uh, would you pick? Psalms. Yep. Number one, Psalms. Mm -hmm. I love that. We kind of talked, mentioned about it earlier, but you know, Mark, uh, you know, Dave, if David had Prozac, we would have never had Psalm because he was up <laughs> on Psalm, down. Yep. Prozac would have leveled that out. But I think that makes it so good of humanity of, mm -hmm. of everything is not sunshine and rules. Now, and the whole Bible is that, whole Bible is full of, of people who it's not all. Greatness, but what a way to live to say to pray that way to pray, Lord, thank you, but also, Lord. Um, and it's interesting, someone brought this to my attention. Of uh, you know, we do want to agree with David when he says, Bless you, Lord, thank you, Lord, 
But that's only 50% of the Psalms. So less than that. Yeah. And the other part of the Psalms are, Oh God, when are you going to help me? Take this from me. <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord, what are you yeah. going to do? And mm -hmm. so, and so I, what a healthy way to live of, Lord, thank you, thank you, but oh Lord, yeah. help me. Yeah, and I really, it's important that the structures of the Psalms, so many of the beginnings of them are praise and adoration, so many of the endings of them are mm. praise and adoration. But all, like, how do we learn to live in the middle? Yeah. Almost all the Psalms in the middle, like they'll have one or two verses of praise, and then it's a ton of just moody stuff. Yeah. And then it'll be like, but I know you're God, so yeah. I think it'll be okay. And yeah, that's that's a I ton mean, of the psalms. What a and what a yeah. healthy way to live, because I think in prayer, in in my life, I have seen this. But saying like, you know, oh Lord, I mean not like that, but say like, <laughs> but um, but I think like to. Just to start out with, you know, people say, I don't know how to pray. Uh, but mm -hmm. just to start out with, like, thank you. Like, I remember when when I was um, doing my, um, when I did 30 Day. And um, I I don't remember when it was. It was it was one time. I don't remember if it was, if it was the um, Six Hour Solo or when it was. But... I think it was. It was a six-hour solo, and I just was drained that day, and I was just really sad about things. Mm. And all I could think about was how good God was, and and praise Him for everything He's done in the past. I think that is a healthy way. What David writes is, what a healthy way to start. Of Lord, thank you for what you have done. Thank you. Because you are God, first off. Yeah. And thank you for what you have done in the past. Mm. And however, but, and not however, but not however, but comma, da 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 be with mm -hmm. this, be with that. And then end with, but thank you for what you have done in the past. Thank you for what you have done right now. Um, it's just, you know, oh, whew, can't. The Psalms are, are, they're tough too, though, because I think, I think it reminds us of how much we are like David because yep. we we see that we're like, oh my gosh, what a complainer and 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 I even I've even read him before and think how could we apply this to us because we're not in battle and things. Yep. But they are so how how we should look at prayer is a lot of what the Psalms is. So I think that is that is great. Yeah, so Psalms yeah, that's, that's oh, what I didn't know. Three, if, three. I, I know I didn't know if you wanted anything there. Or no, not. no, no. But um, so um, Joshua is a oh, second one. Yeah. Love Joshua. I love that. Um, well, I don't love this part, but I think it. What a what a thing to do. To see God take the dream. He never took the. He never took that dream away because. Moses wasn't willing to go and Moses died out. Mm -hmm. But I think it is a very important thing to see that God kept that dream and said, okay, you're not, you don't want to do this? Next! And and moved on with what his plan was. He could have said, mm -hmm. 
you know, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to take these people to the promised land. In fact, I mean, he did, but he he kept his promise of this is where we're going, no matter who, you know, we are still going, and and if you want to die, you know, people are gonna have to die for this dream to happen, uh, and and things are gonna have to happen, and I thought. And what, I mean, what a thing to say of like, Lord, um, like to be in the wilderness and just people die of like, yeah, you people are, things are happening in the wilderness. I, I, I think that is such a great picture of God's plan in your life is going to happen. And, and if it dies out, you know, it, it, God's plan will never die out, but things in your life may so that was good. The third one, um, probably be John. I love John because yeah. he he is so he's so good. Um, and my favorite book of the Bible of all, no, my favorite chapter of all time is John chapter nine. Love, <laughs> love John chapter nine. That's an odd one, but I like it. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I mean John. John is if I'm doing a top three, John's on there for sure. Yeah, John chapter nine because, um, and I, I mean, can you imagine being led to Jesus by Jesus, who he says, you know, who is the Messiah? Show him to me. He says, Tada! I'm right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine to be able to say, you know, and 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 what the and what about you know Jesus is is so crazy here is because he he doesn't lead the blind man to the pool. He says now go. Yep. You you lead a blind man because he can't see, but he but he said go and I think and and the pool wasn't a close pool. It was further on down the road. And I and that is such a depiction of we have of ourselves of we are probably going to stumble and fall, but we know that that what that um, there is a healing that's waiting in the water. And what a beautiful depiction! I mean, yeah, I don't, another trail, but I I love that story so much. But anywho, yeah. But your your number one is John, or is it in your top three? Oh, uh, for my three. So I think I, I take this question kind of functionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was when I was thinking about it, if I wanted to answer it, um, I like to see myself in the mm-hmm. narrative, like as a w- within the stream of scripture. Um, I like noticing the narratives. Mm-hmm. I really love reading the letters of Paul. Um, I didn't like them at all at one point. I was like, they're so confusing and everything's just so convoluted and also. Once you hit the chapters where it's all commands, then I feel really bad about mm. how bad of a human I am. Um, but nowadays, I see it more as Paul comes along, Paul and Peter and John and all those guys, really everyone except James. Letter of James is pretty much like a church version of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but all the other ones, um, First John, Hebrews, First Peter, Ephesians, Romans, they're all narrators mm-hmm. of the biblical story. And they're all narrating and illustrating what it means 
that Jesus has come, he's already ascended, and he's sent the Holy Spirit. Mm. So we're kind of in Act 5. Um, so the Act 1 is creation, all those things. 2 is, um, is Israel. 3 is exile. 4 is Jesus. 5 is uh, church life within the Holy Spirit mm. and the Holy Spirit within us. And Act 6 is when Jesus comes back. Yeah. So we're still looking forward to that. But I think um, within that, I have, I've ingested so much of thinking about how we're in Act 5. Mm-hmm. And it's really reassuring. But I want to take my three favorite pieces of, of Acts 1 through 4 and see myself. Like, mm-hmm. how do I emerge from these? So with that in mind... Um, that was all kind of an intuitive thought when I first thought of it. I was like, oh, I see myself here. Mm. I'd want to understand where I come from. And when I think about understanding where I come from, Genesis, Isaiah, and John mm. would be the three. If I had to really just, I'm like, if I'm understanding where I'm coming from, from the beginning of time, like why I'm here in this story, in God's story mm. right now, and I wanted to know the background, those three, I would just keep cycling through those. Mm-hmm. All of my, all of my, till I'm thirty. So I think that would be super fun. And also, there's so many connections between a lot of them. You can't really understand Isaiah without a lot of Genesis. Yeah. So much of Isaiah points to stuff in the Gospels, and John borrows so much from both Genesis and Isaiah. So they're all they're all kind of webbed together. So I think those three would be really great. And then I think Jesus is really cryptic. In the other three Gospels, John is the one where he's like, I'm pulling no punches, mm. and it's totally okay if you don't understand. Yeah. Um, so I love that. Like, I think in the other three, he he emotionally pulls no punches. He's totally okay to just get on the Pharisee's case. He's, he does that too in John, but in, in that one, he also intellectually pulls no punches. Mm. Um, he's willing to just say things that are like, what do you mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So Isaiah has so much, there's just so much humanity in the prophets, and I think Isaiah's the best one. Mm-hmm. Close second is Hosea, but Isaiah really is mm-hmm. the best one. And then Genesis is just, Genesis is just so good. Yeah. So much of life with God, you can just, you can glean how God interacts with people day to day through Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think really seeing, you see grace most vividly um, in Genesis, I think. Because yeah. all the other ones, it's you're, it's so easy to see within the other books, like how does grace relate to the law? But Genesis really just being like, grace is God showing favor to people who we think should not be shown favor to. Mm-hmm. But God is still just like, yeah, oh, totally Jacob sucks. Mm-hmm. But I really, I'm, I am a fan of Jacob. I, and actually, grace is like favor. Hold on, Siri. What's the definition of favor? Approval, support, or delight in someone or something. Mm-hmm. And so, grace is so great when you translate it favor. Grace is beautiful, not because it's like God's being nice and generous, but actually because. God, through his actions and his blessings, is showing how much he is 
approving of humanity, how much he wants to support humanity, even though they're broken, mm -hmm. and actually support them out of brokenness, and then how much they how much he he delights in humanity. Mm -hmm. So that's really weird to think that God approves of, supports, yeah. and delights in someone so broken. But that's like that's the key tension of God mm -hmm. is why does God keep choosing and celebrating and blessing people who don't deserve yeah. any of those three things? Yeah. Um, yeah. God's really good, mm -hmm. and and I, that's yeah. Genesis is just the clearest, most fundamental picture of that. So. And then Joseph comes along, hits us with the best little piece at the end. Mm -hmm. All the things you meant for evil, but God turned and intended it for good. Yeah. I think that's really, that's the power of grace. Because mm -hmm. so many things can happen. But God really wants his creation to be good. Yes. And he wants He wants our, his creation to be as outwardly delightful as it is inwardly delightful. So, yeah. All that. Thanks. Thanks for answering that question. Um, thanks for letting me answer that question. Yeah. Um, let me get one more. Um, yeah, let's close with this one. This one kind of celebrates you as a person. So when my wife met you, her single impression from having only met you, she only met you one time, right? Was that that pancakes? You'll have a longer conversation with Hannah Thomas. Longer. Longer, Because yeah. I had met her once before, but it wasn't like a... Oh, okay. It wasn't a meeting. That was a full, like, yeah, I had, introduction yeah. and conversation. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, her biggest takeaway is that you are the most unhurried person she's ever met. That you... I'll say... And, and I have to qualify this with, you're allowed to say thank you, but you're not allowed to say that's not true. When it comes to... It, you are the most unhurried person with people that I've ever met. Um, I mean, I'm also your care group leader, so I know what goes on underneath. But when it comes to your interactions with people, it seems like you're there's so much of you that's willing to take your time. So where does that come from? How did that develop? Um, what what do you think about that? Does it feel weird for me to say that? Well, you're so you're so kind um, to say that. Um, you know, I I think um, I think being with people is is a very important thing, and um, and I I I don't know, <laughs> I, you know, it's hard to it's hard to to you know hear that not hear that but to because because you know you don't well you may not know but I I tend to think about you know hurrying and getting places but I I think it is in the hurry um I can't I can't um I mentioned Bill Boy a little bit but mm -hmm. I can't can't answer this question without the Gaither's Gaither's lyric <laughs> yeah but I love this lyric so much, and if if there was any encouragement to anybody out there who who is taught, who is, thinks about hurry and and with people, um, we have this moment today to hold in our hands as it touch as it slips through our fingers like sand. Yesterday's gone, tomorrow may never come. 
we have this moment today. You know, as we're sitting here, I'm, I'm going to a funeral today of a, of a lady that was 99. She would have been 100 yesterday. Um, and she died two days before her birthday. But you have to, when you're that old, you've got to, you have to have something about, you know, moments are special. And mm -hmm. so when you, when you go through life, whether you live through, whether you get to a hundred or you, you die at 20, you know, each moment is precious. Yeah. And, and, and I tell people that, I've told people that three o'clock prayer when I led around the holiday time, I was like, we're going to go home and you may want to be with people you like and there's people you're not going to want to get to know mm -hmm. but really remember that this is a moment you know what we're what we're not to make it weird but this is a moment this is a, this is part of of life and so i think i think that is of really what i've been leaning towards of 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 like hey you know life is short and and people, people are, are really, um, are really important. And, and, um, and, and if you're going to want to spend eternity with people, you better make sure you can get along here and, and, mm -hmm. and learn how to, um, be a part. Of, um, and, and also I think we, I come from a family that is a hurry bunch. And, mm -hmm. and so, um, you know, we get together and, and someone, I won't name their name because they might listen, but they always will have dinner. Um, she'll, they'll come over to dinner sometimes and, and we've just eaten, we've just eaten the meal and about five, ten minutes after, well, well, we gotta go, we gotta, we got things, but we gotta go to Sam's, we gotta do this and that and and so and I, I saw that and, and it's and that's good but what about right now what what you know here are people that that may not that not you know we may not see much and so how are we going to do how are we going to live in the in this moment um this is something that i i really I'm starting to value more of time is precious and yeah. and if and if there's anything that because I know I love what David said one time because I told I said David thank you for saying this from stage because he talked about being a good steward and talked about other things beside money we always at church we always hit money but we never, we, we hardly talk about the other ones. But I love if there's one that we can all be good stewards of or, or try to be good stewards of is time. Mm -hmm. We all have time. Yeah. Um, and so what are we doing with, the, with that precious moments of life to say, okay, I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to do something and so yeah I don't know if that answers your question but I no I think so yeah I think I don't I don't see myself as I need to get better but I because I think 
but but yeah, you're you're you you all are kind. Of, never mind. <laughs> I won't say what I'm going to say, but I but you all are kind of of that because um, yeah, you all are kind. Yeah, I think last thing I'll say. Um, this isn't me riffing off. I just want to encourage you. I I find myself occasionally stuck in like, am I fruitful for God? Because I can often get caught in like, so, so, oh, at one point you said, um, yo, you said you don't like really reading the Old Testament that often because it can make you feel icky or something. Yeah. something you said so at some point. I don't really like reading the Gospels mm. all the way through. Uh, specifically, um, I love Luke and I love John. Mark's a little uh, cryptic, but you get to see a lot of the inner life of Jesus. Matthew is just so harsh mm. sometimes. Um, and I think more than anything, I can, I think the issue with it isn't that Matthew's bad. So don't misunderstand me if you're listening or, or even you. I, Matthew is not bad. It's, an, it's an intensely good. Yeah. I just get really anxious when mm -hmm. I read it um, because there's a part of me that thinks, oh no, what if I'm a Pharisee? What if I'm a scribe? What if this is all just kind of jelly and I'm not a, I'm not a real Christian? Um, but I think I have seen the way you interact with people. I have sat with you in care group. I've seen you be exhausted and yet still interact with people in kindness. Mm. So I don't, whatever goes on in your head is different. I can't read your mind. I can't determine your thoughts, but at least from my perspective, you seem like a very, a person who's very fruitful for God. Mm. And I see a lot of life in you. So I just want to say that. Mm. So I I don't believe you're a Pharisee or a scribe. Uh, I think you're a disciple. Bless so, your heart. But I this is not <laughs> this is some this is not this is not about me, but I I I think it can be helpful to people who listen and to because I've heard this and it was comfort to me. Hmm. It may be comfort to you, I don't know. But I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> I didn't say it, so so you can blame you can <laughs> oh, blame somebody. Sure, yeah, yeah. You you're, can, uh, you're you're saying it. I don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> okay. But I I think, um, but it is if you are if you are really concerned that are you talking about the sheep and the goats or is that yeah I is think that there's one a, of, there's a pattern of those things yeah. throughout the New Testament. There's but, a lot of them in the Gospels. But Jesus, I mean, one of them that. That terrifies the snot out of me of sheep and the goats and and but and and someone says if that doesn't terrify you if it doesn't make you I hate to use the word woke but but if it makes you it doesn't make you raise your eyebrows yeah okay that's a better that's a better way but if it doesn't yeah if it doesn't make you raise your eyebrows then um, that that is more concerning. Mm. Than than if it doesn't, mm. and so that was that was sort of a comfort to me when I first heard that because it was like, I mean I st I still battle with that all the time, but but that comfort of like, if this isn't something that I'm wrestling with, then I probably need to get a probably need to think more about what that is. 
So I don't know if that can be no, helpful. Yeah, or... No, I think that's really helpful. I think for me, that's kind of where, that's internally where I've landed. I think intellectually, um, yeah, I've kind of gone through my own journey with that. But yeah, and I, what I said before, I, I said that because that can be such an easy pattern. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, I, I agree, it's so easy to be presumptive. Or, or it's not easy, I don't know. Uh, um, no, no, no. If someone is presumptive about the sheep and the goats, then that's not really a good sign. If they read something like that and they're like, oh, I 100% know I'm a sheep, then that's a, um, <laughs> I don't know who's clapping out there. Probably Jack. Oh. I didn't like Jack. Or maybe maybe that. Gabe. Could probably, be. Probably Gabe. Could be. Um, so we'll see. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I just know that's such a, the two gaps that are the most insidious that I keep encountering are people who, who uh, are convinced that God loves them but don't really know it in their soul. I struggle with that one. Um, I also run into one of they're at some level they are convinced that they want to be and are a disciple yet don't know deep in their soul that God is on their side mm. when it comes to their discipleship. I don't think it should ever be presumed that automatically, like, if they wake up tomorrow and say no, that their that their no won't be taken seriously by God. I think their no's and their yes, you're you you are taken seriously by God. Yeah. Um, I think the things you've done in God's direction are beautiful to God. So, and I, I struggle with both of those kind of mental gaps, or those cognitive dissonances. So, I just don't, I say that out of care for mm-hmm. you, because I know a lot of people really love you and care about you. So, there's either of those. I am, uh, I'm not a great prayer warrior, but I, I try to be a good encouragement warrior. So, I don't, I don't want either of those gaps to uh, control your thinking. So, sorry if you're listening, just a little friend moment there. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know if that was encouraging uh-huh. to anyone listening, but. Well, thanks, Joseph. This is awesome. Thank you. This will probably be three or four or five parts. <laughs> I, but I think this has been hel- I think it can be helpful. And I think, thank you for even saying yes to doing this again for the little show that tried. But I, I yeah, thank you. No problem. It's, it's my pleasure to quote the, the, Lord's, the Lord's chicken. <laughs>